1: Game gamers anonymous the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together this is chris
0: Hey, and this is anthony
1: and this is episode 421 dice tower award nominations we like to thank all our patreon backers but especially our new patreon backer peter s for helping us bring you a brand new episode all right friends we're back and we are talking about the dice tower award nominations Every year, the Dice Tower crew and a whole bunch of Dice Tower friends and family get together and take a look at the past year and decide, hey, these games deserve to be nominated, and of course, the big Dice Tower award ceremony some point later on. And Anthony, we happen to be part of the Dice Tower network, family, people, group of things, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we get to do the voting. It's great. <laughs> it's, it is great. Like, There's a whole separate group and it, it the messages start going out really early in the year actually like january february is when they start calling for nominations and then we go through and actually narrow that down into a nomination list i say we you and i don't actually do anything other than make nominations <laughs> and then vote we do. there are we other do. people who volunteer and spend significantly more time doing this they do. but um but there's a lot a lot of people in the industry that you'd recognize are in that in that group so this is Kind of running simultaneously, too, while Board Game Geek does their nominations, and that's purely, yes. like, the the, the listeners, the, the viewers, the players vote. This is the media votes from the Dice Tower side, but the media.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much everyone in Board Game Media, and we're kind of, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, OG as far as the Dice Tower people are concerned, like... You would not know that, but we've been part of the audio podcast grouping, the top podcast, according to their website, for like many, many years now at this point.
0: Nine years? Yeah.
1: It's it's been a long time.
0: Yeah. Almost it's as long as, long as the long podcast time. has existed. We've we've been part of the Dice Tower Network, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're we're not on the shows or like we don't have particular dice people, but We've been there. We're the old-timers. We're the old-timers. Those, <laughs> those, you know. Kids these days, they get dice made out of them. But we're old school. We're there. And we're glad to talk about the Dice Tower no- award nomination. Should be a lot of fun. And again, thank everybody who's reached out to us on Patreon and on Facebook and Twitter and all the different social media accounts getting emails about how they can nominate us for the Golden Geek Awards on Board Game Geek. If you take a look at the any of the social media, take a look at Board Game Geek itself. If you take a look at the Patreon, there's information there. Again, there's so many great podcasts out there, and we appreciate so much that you listen, and we just want to spread board games out there more and more. So a nomination would obviously help us do that a lot and help us afford to get that giant death laser that we've always wanted.
0: You cannot argue with the death laser.
1: Nope. We tried, but it's a death laser, so...
0: yeah. So all of you out there who were suitably terrified by the death laser and went and nominated, we appreciate it. And yeah, uh, we will yeah. spare we will spare you the laser. See, this is what we're saying, people. We're, we're
1: very magnanimous about us, Anthony.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as, as, long as you vote for us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, let's talk about the stuff that's going on everywhere. Anthony, there's so much that's happening with us. I know when we talk about the board gaming stuff that happens to you and I personally, some of that stuff slips through. We talk about it before the podcast gets in. Some of that stuff is stuff that we want to take a look and
0: recap. I know for
1: you, you've been having some particular issues with a certain splatter game these days.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so I the last couple of splatter prints, I guess I, I I almost said splatter games, but the the most recent being Horseless Carriage, and before that it was Food Chain Magnet. I didn't know what Splatter was when food chain magnet came out. So this is the first time I've pre-ordered a game from them and like waited with bated breath for it to come. Um, so I ordered directly from Splatter, Uh which they, they usually open up pre-orders and then they ship them all over. And in this case, it was to fun again games and you know, that didn't work out. So um, <laughs> they, they did get them out eventually, but it was close before they shut down. Um, but there was like a misprint or some missing pieces or something in the box, which happens with games. And, you know, if you're a big multinational corporation worth millions or billions, as Asmodee is, then maybe you just tell people, too bad, It that sucks, uh, deal with it. Contact your <laughs> yeah. game store. Um, if you're Splatter, which is like two guys in a, in a little office in Europe, you print out new sheets for everybody who ordered from you, and you personally mail them to everybody. Jeez. So that's great. I got an email at some point being like, we're sending this to you. You don't have to do anything unless you don't want it. Let us know. (laughs) Like, And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then like sending updates. I've gotten like two, three update emails. So I, I don't know that I've ever had that happen before. Usually if I'm missing a sheet or something's wrong, I have to contact the company like 11 times and occasionally let it drop that we have a podcast. Like, can you please Mm -hmm. replace these parts? (laughs) Um, but yeah, good customer service. I know people complain about the prices and all that nonsense, but uh, good games and just great service. So appreciate it. Yeah,
1: I've I've heard some people talk about it. I mean, some. I mean, it's a mixed bag, of course. It's splatter, and I think it does take some time for splatter games to really kind of get to the people and get to the table because they are heavy, vast games. But I've heard some good early chatter about it. So supposedly the game is kind of like food chain magnet you know as far as like the opportunity to build these things to you know consumers out there in the market so yeah i'm excited to get a chance to play that on the other side is madeira's collector's edition which supposedly at some point in the near future and again the near future for this kickstarter i don't know what what are we on year five year six now at this point
0: it yeah it's up there
1: It was supposed to be delivered in 2020, so I'm just saying. (laughs) But, yeah, they're they're still talking about getting that out, so maybe at some point we'll get it. And then, obviously, I'm looking forward to getting all the great games. Again, I got Darwin's Journey in, which I'll be talking about at at the table, so you'll hear about that gameplay. And, Anthony, for me at least, I was able to get a couple of games purchased online. I picked up Mobile Markets, Which you and I played at PAX, I think a little bit ago, and just never... I think it went out of print for a while. We we went over to Arcane Wonders, and it was not available, so I got that. Excited about that. I got War of the Ring, the card game, which you have. We've been playing your copy. I picked that up, and I picked up the tins to go along with that. Although the tins don't fit in the box, and they seem very delicate... So I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing with the cards or the box or the tins at this point, but I bought them, so there I did a thing.
0: <laughs> they exist now.
1: I don't know. Uh, I also picked up Star Wars: The Deck Building Game. Again, we've talked about this as far as an early previous concern, so I'm excited to get that to the table. The box is actually reasonably sized. It's not one of these giant boxes where. It's just a deck of cards, in empty space. They actually, it's a it's it's relatively a good you know size box. Looking forward to that. And then I guess going back a little bit before that, I picked up Star Wars Outer Rim, the expansion. I got I got you know the Outer Rim game from you, and then I picked up uh, which I've already played, but Caverna, the Forgotten Folk expansion. So excited to get a lot of things to the table.
0: Yeah, man, it loaded with things. I got a bunch of stuff that's come in recently. It's just sitting in the basement. Nothing super recent, except I think the Beyond the Sun expansion came in since the last oh. time we talked. Yeah. So, yeah, that one I'm looking forward to getting out. Um, it's got an actual official solo mode, too, which is great, because the original, I think it was a fan mode. Um, gotcha. And, yeah, just a bunch of stuff sitting around I haven't gotten to yet. So,
1: Well, I have a lot of... I end up getting, like, every once in a while, the game store's like, hey... You know that customer hold that you've had for about six months to two years? Could you could you buy something else to get the free shipping and let us ship it over to you? And I'm like, all right, I'll buy something. So, so just like, all right, we made the order. We get the free shipping. We get it sent out. So yeah, no, there's a lot of upcoming great games to get to the table. So we'll be talking about that as we're going on. And obviously a lot of good stuff that's happening on Patreon. So patreon.com slash BGA. Uh, big thanks to all our Patreon backers for supporting us. Uh, new content coming out this week. Anthony is continuing his top 100 deep dive. So he's going through episode, I guess, games here in particular, 90 to 81. Not bad. I think that's probably a good bunch of games. Now, beyond that, for me, I'm continuing to go kicking the habit. So... I already published the first episode. Hopefully you all liked it. I think I covered 12 Kickstarters and I'm going to do that every two weeks. So this week is Anthony's episode. Next week will be my episode and I'll go through another dozen or so Kickstarters that came out. So if you want my understanding, feelings, backgrounds, research into it, I'll fill you all in on that. And I think it'll be a good, fun time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have a blast putting these Patreon episodes together. Um, And, you know, we like to hear from you guys, too, because when we were doing the the Kickstarter postmortems, I know we got a lot of feedback there, which was great. So we knew to keep doing them. So (laughs) let us know what you like. If you're backers, if you're not a backer and you're thinking this would be fun and I would back you if you did this, that's the best possible feedback you could give us. So we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And anybody out there, when we do our acquisition disorders, if there's an upcoming Kickstarter or crowdfunding project or just a new game that's coming out and you would like us to cover it on the actual podcast that you're listening to hit us up. I'll be happy to take a look at it, do some research and let you know what I think. All right, everyone. So that's, what's going on with us, Anthony, what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week.
0: All right. Question of the week this week. I ask people, what is your biggest stand up and shout moment when playing games? Good or bad. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) lots of good answers here. (laughs) Um, So uh, on the Patreon, where we start over here, um, our answers here. We got Matthew says, this definitely has to be while playing Journeys in Middle Earth. My wife and I were playing the first campaign. We're in a final boss battle and things were not looking great. I was knocked out. Goblins and orcs surrounding her. She attacked the big bad. It all came down to her final card flip and she dealt the killing blow. We almost flipped the table with excitement. Um, I think adventure games are a great example of this. I think several of mine would be that, even though I don't play them very often because they often have like that luck-based element and you may or may not win at that last moment. So I think it's a really good answer. It's true. Um, Mini Mega Moose on the Discord, uh, the Patreon Discord, says, it's not a single moment, but anytime someone decides to push their luck in raw when they're the only player left with a bidding token and the end of the round is only a single raw tile away from ending... So you get the whole table pounding their fists and chanting, rah, 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 followed by simultaneous cheers and groans either way. Um, That one's fantastic. I love that. Just, it it all comes down to the last action and then one person, they can decide what they want to do, whether it works or not. That's a great one. Uh, Over on the Facebook page, we have Tim says, when I won a game with a new gaming group who were very unpleasant and ignored me during the game and treated me as if I was stupid. Uh, while they battled oh. it out, they let the stupid guy to play his own game, taking the win. I'm usually a gracious winner, but this time I danced around the room. <laughs> you tell him, Tim. Uh, and then one more here: we got from Roman says an incredible bluff and card reveal and cosmic encounter. Um, also, in it separately, we have: I wasn't in the game, but my friend got a Ben Gesserit secret victory in Dune. That's that's pretty good. That's that's hard to do. Um, Very nice. And then, and then Star Wars Rebellion, just in general, when it's down to the literal final battle. Mm. Yeah. That, that, for me, it was, it's close to that with Star Wars Rebellion. It's War of the Ring. And this has happened a couple times where it literally comes down to that last action, that last turn of if you succeed and get Frodo and Sam just that one extra step, you win the game. But if, if you don't, then, you know, the, shadow people's are going to take over this, you know, Minas Tirith and then the game's over that way. So it's like you win or I win. And it's just that razor's edge. I I love when the game goes to that last like round or two. Um, It doesn't always happen. Sometimes somebody just walks over the other player, but it's so well balanced (laughs) and it happens more often than you'd expect where it really comes down to the end. Like it should.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I think I've had a couple of those. I mean, we've had a lot of those. I mean, my favorite is obviously Defenders of the Realm, with your last role there. But I also had a really interesting encounter in Fury of Dracula, where I was Dracula. And there's this one spot to kind of squeeze myself through, and I was able to pull it out. I think most recently, when we were at PAX Unplugged, I can't remember the game, Anthony. Which one was the one where you were shooting at ships, and it was Man. like this really kind of overly elaborate rubber band cannon? Shooting like I don't know what what there was supposed to be cannonballs, but it was like a wood peg, and it was clearly going to kill somebody. And every time someone shot it, it wasn't like we were cheering for success. We was we were like (laughs) praying for dear life that it wouldn't like poke someone's eye out. I think
0: that was ahoy. yeah, yeah, Shipahoy, playing that. They were very good sports,
1: and no one died. And I was really shocked that that actually didn't kill somebody. So yeah. Oof, that was that was an experience to say the least. So that was the get up and shout because dear God, don't don't shoot me in the head, not the eye, not the eye, not the eye. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. Well that's uh everything from us, right, Anthony on the end of social media?
0: Yeah, that's it. that's everybody. So again, make sure you uh check out Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, all the places we, we post these all the uh, every Tuesday.
1: Yeah, if you yelled loud enough into your uh particular podcast player they probably get to us somehow, because that seems to be a thing. They're all listening, right? All these kind of AIs, chat GBTs, they're listening, right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we have no privacy. Stop pretending. It's, it's...
1: <laughs> well, that's you say. I mean, I, for one, welcome our robot masters. I'm just going to put that out there right now, just in case. I'm just saying, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. No, we have to. <laughs> that's, that's the only way to go.
1: <laughs> all right. So if you'd like to hit us up, all our social medias are out there. And again, thank you so much for reaching out to us, and thank you so much for letting everybody know about the podcast. All right, friends, let's get into the things that we really want to get to the table, are acquisition disorders. So, Anthony, I I looked at this several times, upside, downside. I, I twisted around. I was like, how many kidneys do I have to sell to get this? I, I know this is a big favorite game of yours. Why don't you talk about your acquisition disorder this week?
0: Yeah, yeah. So mine is uh, Teotihuacan, City of Gods, the deluxe master set from Deluxe,
1: it's master
0: yes they, <laughs> they've been teasing this thing for like six months now um so yeah. it's finally up on kickstarter and this is daniel I probably most successful game i feel like in the last 10 years it's definitely the most successful t game like yes, of the modern tea games mm-hmm. and it has had multiple expansions uh, i want to say four one of them is a little bit smaller um And just a lot of content. I have all of it, everything that's come out for this game, all the promos, everything that's come out since the game launched five years ago. Um, So this is not really much new content, mostly just really pretty upgraded content for this game that already exists, Um, which we see a lot of. So, And they've done these deluxe master sets for a few games, and it's usually games that are out of print or hard to find or a little bit older. This one's none of those. Like, it's been around for a while. It's sold really well. A lot of people own it. So I've been interested to see how this performs. Like, does it make it all the monies? Or are people tired of buying a game they already own again <laughs> in a bigger box? So I don't know. I guess we'll see how it does. Um, but effectively, what you get here is Teotihuacan, uh, the original game, right? But everything's been upgraded. So you're getting like all these wood pieces, screen printed, uh, beautiful everything, right? Got these wooden dice instead of just like the the regular, you know, primary colored uh, plastic ones that you used to get. Um, You get like the little uh, embossed and engraved wood and gold tokens and your little, your people, they're going to move up the tracks. Um, Inserts for this giant box that will hold everything. The current content, really, you can't fit it all in the box. I have... I I always try to get everything in the same box and I can't get it all in there. It just doesn't fit. So having a bigger box even if I only back that would be kind of nice. And then just everything else they've gone through and kind of upgraded or changed in some way. So you have like a double-sided board now. There's an alternative art. You've got bags for all the materials. um, Upgrades to all the bits and bobs that come in the box. There's like 450 something wooden components. Um, They all have a heat print. So it's a pretty high quality production. It's not, it's not like a Feld game where they're like, yeah, it's Feld and it's upgraded. It's just what, we're, what we would put out anyway is give us um, $200. It's, like, it's a pretty solid upgraded collection of stuff. And it comes with everything, right? So you get the base game, you get the late pre-classic period, which is the first expansion. You get the Shadow of Zittle, which is the second like, mini expansion. And then the expansion period, um, which is the third expansion. doesn't fit in the box um and then they've added a new expansion as well to play with five which i absolutely do not want but it's there for those who do want it um as well as some player mats so you can get the player mats for everything like all the expansions as well as like a personal player mat which never existed before so when you play this game you just end up with like just scattered pile of stuff in front of you because there's not really anywhere mm. to put it. It's a bit yeah. messy. For the amount of stuff you collect in this game, you really I feel like there should be a player mat. I always felt that way. So it's nice that they finally made one. Um that weird that they never so had it. it is weird. Yeah like and and you know it's one less thing to put in the box. And the thing about this game is when it came out it was relatively affordable. Right? Yes. It's it's a pretty, pretty solid so. Euro a lot in the box it was only $50 MSRP and you could get it for 30 something online
1: yeah. um
0: so you know i it was a really easy thing to recommend to people like oh you want a good euro here you go it's like 30 bucks give it a go mm. right um so now having like a $150 version of that you're like well i don't know <laughs> do i need that um but it's very pretty and all the upgrades look really nice so I would say like if you only own the base game, you never had the expansions or if you play this game every week, right? Um, and you're like, I want wood components for everything, right? All, like, all these tiles upgraded to wood. Uh, it's, it's a good version of that. And because of everything you're getting, the price is not terrible. Um, it's expensive because again, it's a lot of stuff, but it's not terrible for what you're getting. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Cause I love the way it looks. Um, you can get like the beauty pack. So you get like all the upgraded wooden components and stuff. So I might just do that upgrade what I have. And then it's only $75, but then you don't get the new boards and stuff or the mats. So I don't know. I don't know where the acquisition disorder is going to kick in. I, at the very least I want the box, but if I'm going to pay 20 bucks plus shipping for the box, I might as well get something else too. I don't know. Uh, it's a really good game, though. Like, if you've never played it, highly, highly recommend playing it. And maybe, maybe you don't even have to back this. Just wait for the people who back this to sell their original copy, because <laughs> that'll be cheaper. <laughs> like, if I if I lose my mind and go all in on this, then I will have a copy that I no longer need. So hit me up. Um, but yeah, take have to walk on uh, on Kickstarter for like two more weeks. So check it out. It is an amazing game. Um, is it worth two hundred bucks? I don't know, but. Uh, it's definitely worth playing if you've never played it,
1: yeah for the for the base game the expansion one seventy nine euros two hundred u s American dollars give or take, and then obviously the shipping, yeah <laughs> it's always the shipping, the shipping, yeah,
0: and th- I, I they they dropped say, the price too, like right before they launched this, so like we managed to carve off another twenty bucks, and I was like, oh wow, <laughs> okay, good for you.
1: <laughs> I've always liked this game, but they're and I don't I can't. I had to go back to my early reviews of it to really find out what, what I was feeling. Like, I've always liked this game, period. There was something about the game that just didn't push me over to, like, love it, purchase it. I don't own a copy of it. And I've played the base game a number of times. Maybe the expansions is what, what I was missing. And when this when they announced this, I was like, you know, okay, fine. But as Anthony said, the base game was at, at such a high value and such a cheap price you know that made sense what could they possibly do and i got to admit if you haven't checked out the kickstarter you probably should it's it's gorgeous and again it seems like they thought about everything and the thing i i appreciate most is that they they updated the graphic design in particular on the boards so mm-hmm. things are sharper and clearer and that matters most to me when i'm playing a game that can I really read the board as quickly and as easily as possible? Because a lot of, a lot of the games that we see here, I mean, Tetuakon, I think was like the best version of this, but I think board and dice had this kind of situation where everything was shades of beige with the T games. And it was really hard to just easily identify and read, you know, the game state. So this looks gorgeous, beautiful, custom, everything this that and the other dice and bags and things like that so if you do like the game i yeah i would definitely see about checking this out i don't know if i'll back it though because just again like if i liked it i mean again two hundred (laughs) dollars yeah and two hundred dollars but again if you like this game that much i think i might try to talk anthony into getting this so uh, join me <laughs> in my campaign to get Anthony to get the Super Deluxe Edition so that we can eventually play at some point.
0: There's too many of these stupid Kickstarters right now that are just like big upgraded versions of games I already have. There's Santorini, Paperback, Teotihuacan. They're all in my yeah. saved projects. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I'll pick one. And then I'm like, no, nah, if I pick one, I'm going to buy- back all of them. Maybe I back none of them. <laughs> I don't know.
1: What's it's, really bothersome is that like they released a Super Deluxe version like so close after they released it the, the I guess the original version. And it doesn't yeah, make a lot of years. sense. It's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense because by the time and I'm sure you're you're the case in point, Anthony, here, by the time you collect you've been collecting the expansions for years now. It's not just the base game came out five years ago. It's you've been purchasing expansions throughout. Yeah. So I mean the, the more recent expansions were, were what, a year ago? Somewhat? You uh, know, like around the
0: two years it was two years ago it came out like right right before i moved i remember so
1: it's it's i mean even santorini which is a couple of years but like you mentioned there's so many games like this where it's like it's weird because it feels like enough time hasn't passed that there should be a deluxe anniversary kind of edition and like almost like why did you just release a deluxe edition when you first put it out i don't know yeah i don't know it's weird ah do you even buy a base Ah. version game anymore Right? Do you buy a retail version of anything anymore or do you just wait?
0: I know. Like, at the very least, I might stop buying expansions for popular games because I'm like, well, eventually Mm. they're going to release a big box, at least if it's coming from a company that does this, right? Yes. Like, Board and Dice does this. So maybe I don't buy expansions for their games. But then if you don't buy the expansions, they stop making this stuff. Catch (laughs) 22, man. I don't know.
1: Catch 22. (laughs) Well, speaking of consumer products, I just wanted to uh, bring attention to this game and the idea of overconsumption. And one of my favorite, I guess, B-movie, I just like guilty, just wonderful movies. They live. So this is a John Carpenter film. You probably know John Carpenter from all of his horror movies. This is kind of a horror movie, but it's kind of like what if capitalism was run by aliens i mean sure it's gonna be aliens or robots it's it's gonna be one (laughs) of the other people so pick pick your winners here so they live the card game save the city and slave the city so this company has already released a board game version of the movie they live this is the card game version of they live and this will back on saturday may 20th 2023 And it's a fast paced three to six player game. And basically, what you're doing is somewhat similar to the board game. You are trying to, depending on the role that the hidden role that you're given, you're either a human or you're an alien. If you're a human, you're trying to save the city. So, as the game goes on and as the cards come up, you are trying to equip yourself to be able to take over the cities and save them. But you could also be one of the hidden aliens who knows what everyone is and you are trying to kind of like dead of winter like you are trying to withhold from the other group so that you can enslave the cities. So again, it's one of those social deduction games with board game elements to it. I guess what makes it interesting again, is it has that dead of winter kind of situational gameplay with the hidden traitor in the game but of course because it's the they live movie and if you haven't seen they live i recommend seeing it it's really a lot of fun it's kind of fun you know popcorn kind of movie is there it's actually sunglasses again goes along with the movie and the sunglasses allow you to see the cards like the hidden messages on the cards that's again as thematic as the movie is it's just it's an amazing general kind of idea so the board game does it the card game does it here and it's just again another one of those social deduction games that's so incredibly thematic again kind of a mini version of the dead of winter kind of situation without the zombies but with the aliens so they live the card game enslave the city save the city do something to the city uh it's on Kickstarter right now
0: that's cool yeah, I mean, I like I like stuff like this where you just they kind of go mine an old IP that you're like, I like that, but also, really? It's random.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's fun to think about. I don't know if it's necessarily fun to play, but it's fun to think about. So, there right. you
0: go. <laughs> cool.
1: All right, Anthony. So, let's go talk about the games that did hit the table this week. And we'll let everyone know if those games are buying. and they should run out and pick those games. If those games are a play, and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, and they should avoid them. Or if those games are dreaded burn and you should wear your special sunglasses to realize that the game was rotten all along. Anthony, I played a whole bunch of games this week, so let me talk about one game. It's a little sus. It's called Venn. Venn is a... Well, what they call it is an absurdist card game in which you use a Venn diagram... To give clues to your teammates. So the game primarily is kind of a Dixit code names, information sharing, kind of like Mysterium. Basically, what you have is these tarot-sized cards, and on these cards are these kind of it looks like at least, forgive me if I'm I'm wrong, but it looks to be this AI artwork. And it has a whole bunch of weird different images on the cards. And as the clue giver, you have to decide where are you going to place these clue cards on this three colored circles, red, blue, and yellow. It creates this Venn diagram, and you are trying to place these clue cards out in each of these three sections. Ignore the colors, but sometimes the cards, because they have a lot of different iconography on them, you could say the card works for both areas. So that's the interesting part of then, right? So like this card, it talks it has machines, but it also has space in it. So one of the clues, one of the clues I'm trying to give, because it's one of the the kind of scoring words, is space, and one is obviously machines. So I'm going to put that between two of the sections. The board itself, as far as there's a number of possible scoring words that you know are part of like i think there's three out of 12 so the whoever's the clue giver is given a card of three they give out the clues everyone around the table tries to guess the other team is doing the same thing at the same time so i was like oh that's cool it's like word slam so if i overhear what they're saying i can bring it back for our team but it's not like word slam because they get their own card so it could be some words or it could not be some words so it didn't make sense why they were actually playing at the same time. But whoever says then first is able to give their guesses and then score the appropriate amount of points. If they get them all right, they get a bonus point. And that's primarily the game. I have played a lot of these games. I actually, I mean, one of my favorite games, game definitely in my top 100, is Dixit, is Mysterium. I think the, I guess the Mysterium Circus one is up there as well. I love that whole idea of these wondrous artistic abstract cards in which you're trying to communicate clues to your team and they're trying to guess them as quickly as possible. This is also kind of reminding me of Decrypto, but Decrypto is a much better game. I played this (laughs) and I was just like, the artwork on the card is kind of bad. It's like really weirdly artificial uncanny valley artwork and nothing very interesting. And every time the clue giver was given this deck of like cards, there was so much different things on the card that you basically spend the whole time going through the deck to try to find something that's reasonably manageable to communicate. And the cards are double-sided. So it's like, look at one side, look at the other side, put it in the box. Look at one side, look at the and it, And again, you have three different words. If it was one word, okay, but again, the Venn kind of experience here. It was a, a very limited, boring kind of game. And I, I wish that they would have incorporated some more of the rules of the crypto and Word Slam and even some of the artwork from like Dixit or any number of those other games out there so that the game had some element to it that I could really grasp onto. As it was, I was happy to play with my friends but I was not happy to be playing that game. So I mean for Ven, I'm gonna do it, Anthony. I didn't think I was gonna do it, but the more I talk about it, the more I <laughs> the more upset I get. I'm giving Ven a burn. I it's been a long time, but Oh man, it's should, coming back. It it should not exist. There are other better games than this, and this seems like it takes it takes other games and makes it worse. And I don't know why they did that. Like <laughs> If the artwork is that... good, great. If the Venn diagram thing played out, great. If the clue-giving worked, great. If the other team at the same time worked, great. None of it works. This game gets a burn.
0: Nice. All right. So everybody out there is like, when are you going to burn a game? Chris, just burned a game.
1: I just burned a game. Just don't, don't do this to yourself. There's better games out there. Play Decrypto. is a great game. Dixit's a great game. Mysterium's a great game. Mysterium Circus is a great game. There's so many games in this genre, and this is probably the worst one I've played in a very long time. So let me talk about a, a completely opposite here. Let me talk about a Kickstarter I've been talking about and waiting for for quite some time. Anthony, I know you also backed this. This is Darwin's Journey. So yes. this is retracing the steps of Darwin as he goes, uh, uh, goes across the Galapagos Islands in order to discover all these new creatures and come up with his theory of evolution and all of this interesting biology here. This was something I was looking forward to. I backed the game. I backed it with all the extra stuff, which I really was very cautious and concerned about because I think there's been a block of time in the, in the recent Kickstarter history. I think it, I think, I think we're starting to get out of it, but it was one of those things where like, it reminded me back to the days of the comic books where they just had foil covers because, foil covers was a thing and then board games decided like hey everything needs a deluxe version i'm like it doesn't so when darwin's journey came out it was a very expensive game and then it had like a whole bunch of add-ons and i'm like dude you're already a very expensive game don't charge me five dollars for the darwin expansion expansion don't charge me another 15 dollars for like the little glass things because i'm gonna buy it and not be happy out it. but i backed it it took a long time it finally got here i got the base game the deluxe version and it also comes with this really cool but i'm sure it's going to be incredibly problematic to store this cylinder that holds the neoprene mats for the game i was like and the people at the table were like oh this is awesome and i'm like yeah this is awesome it's going to roll off the shelf every time. Like, again, square <laughs> box, round tube. Like, why Why would we think that that would work? Why was this not a box? Like, you know, fold it up into a box, make it a pouch or something. Like, okay. Now, that's just some of the aching about the game itself. I was excited to get it. I got it. Let me talk about some of the play of it. So Darwin's Journey comes down to basically being a worker placement game. So you are one of the crews... And you are sending out your workers and your explorers. And you're tracing the steps of Darwin as he goes through. You are finding new and unusual animals. You are doing scientific research. You are interacting with academic journals. And you are traveling throughout all these different islands. So basically the game comes down to you have an individual player board. On the player board you have your explorers. Each of your four explorers are tied to a row of seals. The seals allow the workers to go to certain spots on the board. Now, when you when you start the game, there are four basic worker placement spots. So there is a a ship travel, there's an, ex, an explorer travel who's running around, there is, you know, writing up you know, journaling some of the exploits. And then there is the actual, like, journal academic publishing. Those are the four kind of major worker placement spots. They also have upgraded versions. So one of the spots on the board is gives you the opportunity to place out the lens. And the lens in this game is very important because what it's going to be able to do is open other worker placement spots. For, for those four spots, there's advanced spots that give you more movement more abilities but there's also six additional spots that are randomized and come out at the start of the game that give you different options to do different things and there's a lot in the game so i don't think it's gonna i think it's gonna be a very long time (laughs) until you run out of those kind of interesting dynamic little kind of really fun worker placement spots That being said, you only get six of them and you don't necessarily get to open up all of them because it is very expensive to open those spots up. So the lens opens the spots. Worker placement standard, you get to go to certain spots as many people who want to go there can go there. And again, there's certain spots where with the lenses only one player can go there. Regardless, because it's a worker placement game. If you want to go to a section in the journal, these kind of sectioned off areas, that already has a worker, whether it's yours or someone else's, you got to pay money. And money is very hard to come by at this game. So here's my biggest tip for you. if You play Darwin's Journey, get money, you will need it. Now, as the game goes through goes on, you'll have the opportunity to move your ship throughout the different islands Move your explorers on those islands. And as they move through those islands, it's kind of like a little interesting pathway that branches off. It'll give you money. It'll give you bonuses and special abilities. It'll also give the opportunity to, I guess, capture animals from those islands to ship them off for scientific research. You land on those spots. You have your particular player board. And on your player board, there's an option to show that you have researched That particular animal. So on the other side of the board, beyond the worker placement, beyond the island, there's a whole bunch of spots to be able to send off the island, the island's animals, research them, and this is going to be important because at the very end of the game, there is a whole bunch of book spots, kind of like a research spot, and that'll become a multiplier for how many island animals have been captured and researched. Now, as the game goes on, There could be a lot of research, which means a lot of points based on the the multiplier. Or maybe not a lot of animals have been researched, so there's not a lot of rows and columns available. Therefore, you're kind of stuck. Now, beyond that, you have special goals. And those goals are pretty interesting because you will need to meet certain conditions in order to take a little square chip, put it on your board, and that'll give you a little bit of bonus action throughout the game. So getting those Special orders is essential to the game at the start of the game. You get three kind of like special scientists workers, ship captains, like random people. You have to think about lorenzo the Lorenzo had this kind of like card play in it where if you met the, the like the very difficult conditions of these kind of special people, you got a bonus so if you play the Lorenzo, I think especially with the expansion. You had those kind of really interesting uh, player cards, but sometimes they were they were not worth the effort to actually get them because sometimes the resources that you need were very difficult. In this game here, the same is true because again, it's a Luciani game, so like he's very he does this all the time, and basically you have to meet the certain conditions. And here they are seals, so going back to the the workers that go out, the key element. The different element of a worker placement game here that kind of makes it stand out is you're going to need the academic seals of a particular color, and you have an option to fill up up to six spots for each worker. It's going to cost you money, but it will give you a bonus when your worker goes out. You want to get certain colors there because it allows those workers to go to those particular spots. So at the start of the game, you can't go many places, but as you do your scholarly research... It allows your workers to go to multiple places. So I love that kind of mechanic here because that really allows you to kind of build up gameplay that focuses on what you want to do and what areas actually open up for you. And then sometimes you get stuck. You might have a very powerful worker that can do a whole bunch of things, but you have to go to a basic spot. Or maybe you have a very basic worker who can only do the most basic things possible. There's some wild seals in the game that you're able to pick up, but primarily you're going to pick up the different color seals that will allow you to go to certain spots on the board. The game itself does come with a whole bunch of extra expansions. I played the base game. I'm happy to come back and talk about all the expansions at some later point. There's a Fireland map expansion, which is on the other side of the board, and there's a whole bunch of mini expansions that you could play with the game. But the base game itself is a solid worker placement game, again, with that very interesting mechanic of getting the particular colors for your workers so that they can go to a whole bunch of places, completing those little interesting uh, square chits to place on your board to give you a special bonus, running around the island to get random things, researching to be able to score additional points. And that's about it. That's Darwin's Island. The theme is... There, it looks like it's there. If it it, it it feels like it's there because you're taking certain actions that is generally in that area. I wish it was a little more focused on the island where you could like do more dynamic things. This game is much more focused on the worker placement side of it, which again, not bad. Love the seals, love the little openings there. But generally I'm gonna give the game a play. It's a good, solid game. Maybe the expansions brings it up to a buy. Happy I own the game. But maybe for X number of dollars that we paid for all of it, you know, it's worth getting getting to the table.
0: Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. Like, I I backed this thing late. I jumped on it after the fact. And, you know, it's been a long time since I did that. (laughs) So now I'm looking at it. Yeah, like now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, I don't know if I would have backed this otherwise. It's pretty though. I, I am excited yeah. to I haven't I did get mine in, but it hasn't been opened yet. And I just I'm I'm I don't know. Everything you describe sounds interesting, but it doesn't sound mind blowing. Like it sounds like it's gonna be like it could be a play for me too, which is fine, but like you said, for hundred and twenty five dollars or whatever. You're like, eh. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah,
1: the the expansion pieces, the upgrade pieces are nice. they they're, they're They don't like we talked about to to walk on the the Kickstarter that looks better than this. Not much better, but it looks a little bit better. And the pieces look a little bit better than this. The pieces are not bad. The the seals have this like little plastic wax kind of look to them again. Mm -hmm. Fine. There's no problems with the team. This is a, this is, and always will be a solid worker placement game that doesn't do anything spectacularly different. Again, other than the workers need to have certain colors assigned to them, but it's a good game. It's a good game. It's a Luciani game. You'll see elements of Marco Polo, Lorenzo, but there's nothing overwhelmingly spectacular. I'm hoping that the expansion, which is just a different map on the other side, and maybe the pirate ship or maybe the Darwin thing adds a little more difference to it, but again, a solid game. All right, Eric Anthony, let's talk about the games that we want to talk about, especially the ones this year, because our feature of is the Dice Tower Awards 2023, and the nominations are out, and everyone's really excited, so I think there's a lot to talk about here, especially, I, I guess there's some new categories.
0: Yeah, I know, it's always fun to go through this. Um, it always throws me off a little, because the Dice Tower Awards, along with the Board Game Geek Awards, happen kind of late uh which honestly it makes sense because you need time to play all these things right that's the point right is to give all of the people voting time to play them all so you can vote with some knowledge right um mm-hmm. but most of the award stuff like website awards are awards january so it's already starting to think like oh the awards for last year okay i got it um so it's it's interesting it's fun uh as usual there's a ton of categories as you said they've tweaked them a little bit as they often do so we will kind of run through them real quick give our our rundown of the uh nominees um first on the list is best welcoming game what i i yeah yeah i don't remember what they used to call this if it was like fam was it family game do you remember i think it was it wasn't yeah it might have been family like it's not gateway for sure but no no Anyways, the, the nominees here are Acropolis, which we have played and both of us really liked. Um, mm-hmm. Boop, which is the two-player little cat game from Smirkin' Dagger, or Smirkin' Laughter, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, Flamecraft, which <laughs> lit the world on fire. Uh, Everyone yeah. is very excited about that. Um, it's pretty. It is very pretty, yeah. I, I do want to play it. I have not played it yet. Uh, very Ready light from what set- I hear, but pretty. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the lightness. Uh, like It seems like something my daughter would just... I agree yeah lose her mind over so I, I want to get a copy <laughs> uh, ready set bet uh, it's a new horse betting game which is like a weird subgenre of its own in gaming <laughs> and then trekking through history which I did play last year and I reviewed um, and really liked actually as, as one of the trekking games I think it's I think it's the best of the trekking games so far
1: yeah I picked that up because of your review
0: yeah it's very good. The kids loved it. Jack, like my son, he just reads the back of the cards, which is it's fun
1: nice
0: so, so a... yeah no it's it's a good mix. I think there's a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. here
1: yeah, absolutely
0: um so those are welcoming games i there's a couple there that I know we want to get to the table um before the voting comes up. uh sure. the expansions these this is a little bit different of a mix um uh, for sure. It
1: is. Oh, weird mix
0: <laughs> it's a very weird mix so first up we have both dune expansions because they released two expansions in a year and immortality is a bit of a cheat because this one launched at packs and i don't think a lot of people got their hands on it properly until end of december early january but it came out last year so it counts um rise of x is the one that came out early in the year last year we did play that we loved it it elevated the heck out of that game um Outer Rim Unfinished Business, by all accounts, does the same thing for that game. I didn't like Outer Rim to the point that I gave it to you. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> uh, but everybody I've talked to who had a similar outlook on that game, they're like, "Oh no, Unfinished Business really makes it much better." So I do want to yeah. try it because, like that that game, the problem with it is it felt unfinished, as most Fantasy Flight games do. Sure. So, um, just I'd like to see picked it. It up, so we'll play it. If you like it, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, that, that that'll be cool. Um, Viticulture World, the cooperative expansion for Viticulture, that I have zero interest in. Honestly, like I always try to play as many of these as I can before we vote, mm-hmm. but I'm like, there's no way this game this this expansion will be better for me than Dune or Star Wars. So, meh. I'm not gonna even play it. <laughs> and uh, that's and a then Wings of yeah, yeah, it definitely has a few issues. Um, even before it came out, yes. And then Wingspan Asia, which was a standalone uh, expansion, right? Sure. You can play this one without the base game, right? I believe so. Could it was something weird about the, it? This is the one you can play alone,
1: and I believe it had a two-player module to it, two-player version.
0: That's right. It's one or two-player standalone duet mode. Yeah, and then you also get the Asian Bird expansion for the full game, and a six mm-hmm. to seven player expansion, which is insane. Why would you play <laughs> Wingspan right. with seven people? Ah, oh, they broke somebody's uh, brain. Seven? <laughs> They're like, oh, you think a five-player expansion's bad? What till we give you a six to seven-player expansion? Wonderful. <laughs> oh. All right, so I'm not voting for that out of just pure spite. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, it's, it's probably Rise of X. So that's, that's a good one. So, <laughs> uh, so, best party game. We've got Blood on the Clock Tower. Which, by all accounts, is a borderline activity, not a game. But, <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, an interesting activity. One that I would like to participate in. But it doesn't sound like a game from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, Feed the Kraken. So, we got some more pirate stuff. I haven't played it interested green green team wins of course it does because i always play green i get it yeah obviously um ready set bet again more horse racing
1: why i don't know
0: yeah (laughs) um (laughs) and then phantom inc we we tried this one out at pax not even this year it was last year i think it was very interesting from resonant yes Mm -hmm. pretty funky yeah, it's it's a weird mix for a party game this year. There's a couple of games here that I don't know that I would consider party games, so much as that they're yeah. just they're activities with a lot of people. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Game experience. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah. Maybe they change this, it should be best game experience. I don't know.
1: I, I think so. I, I'd feel better yeah. about that if they did. I mean, again, party game, get it. It has to be a game that everyone can play at the table no matter what their kind of experience happens to be. Some of these games are a little bit, even though they're game experiences, they're a little more complicated than what I would think of as a party game. Right. So kind of weird to have them here, but yet some of them are not like mechanically game games. So like you said, they're like game experiences. So it's a weird mix here.
0: It is. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like it just wasn't a big year for party games. So I, I can't, when we were nominating stuff for this, I don't think I even picked one because like, I can't think of any. So that might be part of why this is what we got. Gotcha. Alright. Uh, what do we have up next? Alright. Next up, we got Best Solo Game. Uh, oh boy, here this we is, go. Yeah, so this is a pretty good mix. I'm, I'm liking these five. Uh, we got Batman The Dark Knight Returns, which is a okay. dedicated solo game. It's a big old box. I, I picked this up. It's really quite the production. It's very nice from Cryptozoic. Um, based on the old Frank Miller comics from the 80s. Um, Frostpunk, the board game from Adam Kopinski So I, I know you talked about this in an acquisition disorder not too long ago, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, big game. Big, big, big game for a solo game.
0: I Yeah, oh my gosh. All of these are big. None of these are quick little solo games. These are all like multi-hour things. Um, I love it. I love this is where we are now. Heat pedal to the metal, which is just absolutely tearing things up it's out of print everywhere people are obsessed with this game and i knew they would be because people love racing games and this is like the racing game it's it's, it's, it's flam rouge with race cars perfect uh, <laughs> return to dark tower the most expensive uh solo game on this list so i neither one of us is yet to get our hands on this because again no
1: it's, I wish I did, but I couldn't, so yeah, if you see it yeah. out there in the wild, let me know, people.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then Wayfarers of the South Tigress. This is the new uh, or newest because he's got a new one every year um, game from Garpil Games. The the South Tigress trilogy. And it, this hasn't come out fully yet, I don't think. I think this was the for the Kickstarter backers, but usually it's like six to nine months later when they release it through Renegade, so we should really? see this on shelf soon.
1: Yeah. The only thing I have here and you're the, you're the expert here. You you literally had a solo game podcast. Like, shouldn't these be solo games? Like, like legitimately like a one player game instead of like games that are solo modes. I don't
0: know. There aren't that, there aren't that many though. And Batman, the dark Knight returns is a solo game. Um, of these five, it's the only one, but these days, there aren't really a lot of dedicated solo games anymore. Uh, there is one from Garpil that just came out called Legacy of You, which is very good, but it's a 2023 release. Um, I, It would definitely be on this list if had it had come out last year. But it's pretty rare. Like, when I see a game go up on Kickstarter and it's one player only, I'm usually surprised. Because it's just, it really does narrow the audience quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I just I just feel it's more appropriate. Because, like, we're going to look right now at best two player games. And, like, I mean, most games play it too. Like, is that fair? Yeah, it's like... true. <laughs> I don't i don't like if it's you should get the nominee like you know it's it's like the academy awards and like yeah every movie has a thing but i don't know every movie has like let's say the short film right like we look at the short yeah. films like yeah they're 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever they are every other movie has at least 30 or 45 minutes it doesn't mean that they should be qualified for the short film academy award
0: i i guess but that it's almost like almost a different way of thinking about it though. Like it'd be like if you took a three hour movie and they cut out forty five minutes and released that as a separate film. Because yeah. right? that's almost what the solo modes are. Is it's different rule sets. Entirely yeah, but
1: sometimes, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't I personally like again, a lot of games do play solo and I'm appreciative of that. But I feel like if you design a solo game a single-player game, and there are several games that are just single-player games out there. I don't have to tell you. Like, I feel like you deserve you deserve special recognition. Like, I don't think like anybody else should be able to come in and go like, oh, you could also play this with a solo mode. Like, then you should develop a solo game. I'm sorry. Like, I think by <laughs> default, I think by defaults, people who create solo games should be in the solo game category.
0: I don't know. Controversial. I I don't, I, I don't think it's controversial. I agree. Uh, they're just. There just aren't that many. That's the problem, and they're all war, they're I, all war games.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, like that would mean like every co-op game could be a solo game. Like, I mean, where does it end? I don't.
0: know. Yeah, I mean, several of these are I'm co-op li- games, so
1: yeah, you're I'm, right. <laughs> look, I'm willing to die on this single person king of the hill. I'm, that's what I'll, that's all I'm saying. I'm I'm just saying here. So let's let's go <laughs> into the two the best two player games because that does not well, kind of doesn't seem to
0: have a problem except for one, but okay. Best two-player yeah, yeah, games,
1: yeah.
0: Anthony. Best two-player games, and th- some of these are really good. Uh, Beer and Bread. Amazing. Love this game. Yep. My favorite Scott Alms game.
1: Yep.
0: Boop. Cats smacking each other. Boop. <laughs> it's a, a two-player
1: game. Yeah,
0: It is a two-player two game. Yeah, two Splendor two Duel. Jumble. It's in the title. Duel. <laughs> it's a two-player game. <laughs> War of the Ring, the card game. It's You can play it at two. It's it's a four-player game. That's <laughs> a four-player game.
1: <laughs> That's true. I'll, I'll give uh, you and Return...
0: It, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's got two-player rules. It feels like it should be a two-player game. But the two-player mode is like a learning mode, almost.
1: I like it. I like the two-player. But it is a mode and not a... It's not a two-player game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many times I would want to play the two-player game. Like, I feel like after 10 or 15 plays, I might be done with that. Sure, understood. Um, and then, Return to Dark Tower comes back again. So okay, I feel like if they it's had a, a best one- three player game on here, they would also be Return to the Dark Tower. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, like, like I said, I like w- my Grail game, still my Grail game, with the exception of the War of the Ring, the board game, which is like a million dollars and came out X millions of years ago. Like, it's Dark Tower. Like, that's my nostalgia bait. That is my childhood in a box. I love those old, you know, old bad toy sounds. Like, it resonates with me. Pick a lane, bro. I'm just saying.
0: Like, return to Dark <laughs> Tower.
1: Like, you, I'm sorry. You can't be like the best one and two. Like, uh,
0: you want to uh, know what else it's the best of? Because it's no, the best of some other more stuff. It's coming up.
1: <laughs> oh, no, not um, cool, bro.
0: All right. <laughs> Get. Guess what the next best thing it is? Oh no! <laughs> it's it's the best reprint. Oh, geez. Uh, okay. All right, so Return yeah, to Dark yeah. Tower, re- best reprint. There you go. That's fine. Um,
1: I'm I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. That's fine.
0: It, I mean, that's by definition, that's what it is, right? So yeah,
1: it's see, fine. See, you could do it. You guys could do it correctly. You get it.
0: You get it. <laughs> um, Castles of Mad King Ludwig Collector's Edition, Cat in the uh, Box it- Deluxe Edition okay get on board new york and london okay and then libertalia winds of gale crest okay so. so my
1: question for you anthony is when again best reprint so how you define a reprint is interesting because like is it just legitimately a reprint of the same game or is it a redesign update like You know, I almost feel like it should not just be reprint, because games are reprinted all the time. Yeah. Again, this is a little this is a little semantics. I know that what the Dice Tower is looking at is like best new upgraded rule deluxe version of a game that you once had.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know that there's a better word than reprint, but yeah, I agree that reprint's a weird word. Um because like Libertalia pretty significantly changed from the original. Right yeah. from from Good the version. theme to the rules, right? It's a different thing. Return to Dark Tower, very significantly different than the original. Yeah. Um, whereas Cat in the Box, the rules are basically the same. It's just a much nicer version than the Japanese release. So yeah,
1: it's in English. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that too.
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. Like it, you do get like a weird mix, and then like get on board. It's the same core rule set, but it's a different. Like there's other tweaks to it. It's a different theme right so i don't know yeah
1: maybe best new version i'm just i'm just pitching out there tom if you're listening click you know connect stuff like that you know, know. he's still like, mad no! at me about the solo thing
0: yeah yeah <laughs> um all right so best reprint we'll see we'll see how people define that um best co-op so guess guess what's in this list oh, no return it's to dark tower to it no. is Oh, my gosh. I guess everybody in the media backed a copy of Return of Dark Tower, so they're like, it must win the awards. <laughs> I guess.
1: I'm, I guess um, I'm, I'm, just the, I'm the outlier here.
0: Yeah, this is a weird list, actually, for this one. It is. So yeah. we've got Korra Quest, which is very cool. It's Dan Hughes and his daughter, Korra. They made a game. Um, nice. Lands of Galzir. Sure. Which, there you go. Um, Nemesis Lockdown which is a big box expansion for Nemesis, which came out forever ago. Uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, which is, it's just pandemic with Star Wars. So that should be under reprint, honestly. (laughs) And the Return of Dark Tower.
1: Which has now somehow showed up yet again.
0: Yeah. Four in a row. All
1: right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sounds good. I'm sure it's a thing. It's fine. I'm yeah. not, not worried or bothered by it at all.
0: Yeah, I, it's a weird year, man. It was a weird year for party games. It was a weird year for co op games. I don't know that either of those categories is great. I mean, there's good games in each of them. They're just like a weird mix.
1: Well, even Nemesis Lockdown is weird too because it's a standalone expansion. Yeah. So is it an exp- should it be in the expansion category or in this or in just like the game category? Because it's I I don't know.
0: Yeah yeah i don't yeah i mean you can play it by itself so i guess it's a game um best game from a small publisher so a lot of games we've already heard blood on the clock tower from pandemonium institute core quest uh was self-published on kickstarter flamecraft is from cardboard alchemy Mm -hmm. Uh, planet unknown it's a big old sprawling space game from adam's apple games which I have a sweet spot for them because they made that awesome sword game where you built a sword. Yes, and I love that game. Um, and Three <laughs> Sisters, which is the farming version of the Fleet the Dice game uh, from sure. Motor City GameWorks.
1: Gotcha. So I, this is always a really interesting category because, again, like what how you define what a small publisher is, but there is some really new, interesting kind of games out here. So,
0: and yeah. again, so.
1: Love it. Love no, it's cool stuff. Things, like, actually.
0: Yeah. Blood on the Clock Tower, it was, I know that was in development for years. So people sure. were like, I kept hearing people like, when is that coming out? What is happening with that game? And it finally, it exists. Um, Cora Quest is just a really cool story that that exists, yeah. you know? So, there's some cool stuff in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Throughout, I mean, all, all the games are, again, I love this category. I think it's a great category because I guess these games would, they might just like, disappear they may not know no, no one may know them because again small publisher
0: right mm-hmm. all right similar to that one uh another category we love is best game from a new designer so exactly yeah. acropolis from jules masseau uh blood on the clock tower again from stephen medway uh, boop from scott brady cora quest from cora and dan hughes and then Starship Captains sneaks its way on the list from Peter B. Hofgard.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think the definition, too, of what is a... How would you say it? Like, what is, what is a new designer, right? Um, I mean, Cora is clearly carrying her dad with that game. I mean, to be fair. <laughs> right, you're you know, right. he's, he's just like, I'm going to stick my name on this. And, and she's like, fine, dad. Like, I guess I have to give yeah. you something. But yeah. she's doing all the hard, lip, heavy lifting there, so I appreciate that of her.
0: So. <laughs> He's like, we're using my bank account for the campaign. What do you do?
1: <laughs> it's like, ah, fine, fine. So now, but uh, no, great games, really great games, really, really like to see that. So, it's yeah. a, I mean, they're almost kind of identical to small publisher, but I guess one, one in the same in some cases. But
0: yeah, I mean, it often overlaps because. Yeah. New designers, they put games up and they tend to be their own publisher. So
1: Love it. Now here's the best category, Anthony. What do you think?
0: Oh gosh, yeah. So best theming. Uh-huh. All right. So we got some repeats here. Heat pedal to the metal. Uh-huh. We're racing. We're racing. Uh-huh. Uh sure, my sure. father's work. We're uh-huh. scientists. We're doing kind crazy of. scientist stuff. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Nemesis lockdown. Which, again, again, Nemesis is a very thematic game. This is just more of that. So, come on. I yes. don't know. Uh, Wonderland's War, which is like a, just a crazy nightmare fuel of a Alice in Wonderland game. And then Return to Dark Tower. It's back in the list. Jeez.
1: No, it keeps <laughs> returning. The name, the name speaks true. I mean, again, here, I'm going to nitpick here. Should it be best unique theming? Best original theming. I don't know. Like some of this is unique and original. I mean, some of it's just race cars and robots. I don't know. I yeah,
0: the theming for me, theming is just like when you're playing the game, does it feel like you're doing the thing that the game represents? Like it. It. I don't really care how like what the artwork looks like or anything like that. I just want to feel like I'm in that world. Um,
1: Okay, I give you that. I do like the idea, I mean, my collection, I think, Anthony, your collection too, I think you talked about this with Lacrimosa. Like, there are games that I keep around because the theming is unique. And I think sometimes theming that is unique and original needs to get representation because otherwise people don't pick up on it. Like, oh, it's a farming, space, economic, alien, robot kind of thing. But could it be anything else? Yes, there is other games. So, yeah. But this is this is good, yeah. I like this. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. There's, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, all right. What about production value? The the best production value. Uh, this is another one of those weird categories because it's there's production value and then the next category is artwork. So yes, I don't. And it's a little segmenty to me. But and the nominees are almost the same for both categories. Yes. So <laughs> they are. Why do we have two categories? I don't know. Um. So, under production value, we have Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans, Flamecraft, Foundations of Rome, Return to Dark Tower, and Wonderland's War. Mm-hmm. Right? Under artwork, we have Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans, Flamecraft, Merchants of the Dark Road, Trekking Through History, and Wonderland's War. So, three of the five are the same between the two. Um, I guess Return to Dark Tower just doesn't have the artwork. So <laughs> what one thing it doesn't
1: have. <laughs> Weird that's weird yeah
0: i don't like if you're gonna do production values i think it's got to be foundations of Rome or return of dark tower because they're both ridiculously overproduced but yeah artwork is so subjective that's this this category always bothers me a little because it's so subjective um yeah all five of these games are very pretty but in very different yeah. ways
1: yeah, I, I, you could certainly make a case for each one of them, especially how again, we could also even connect these to the best theming cuz there, there's a little, you know, crossover there too cuz the yeah. artwork does, you know, provide so much as far as the theming's concerned here too. So, like Wonderland's War. Great yeah. artwork production and theming too. And again, that's it's a different take. So, yeah, no, love.
0: Yeah. it. All right. Uh just a couple more here. We got Best Strategy Game. Uh, that's Carnegie that's uh-huh. yeah, our bread and butter that's what we talk about we got Carnegie yes that is a strategy game i agree um
1: <laughs> wait a minute dark tower's not on here Wait, hey, no, no uh, what's, what's wrong i know i
0: don't i don't know what they're doing man it's crazy um <laughs> sure. so yeah Carnegie up front big heavy strategy game love it we've got endless winter paleo americans okay nice. uh, yep it's good planet unknown uh-huh, good, it's, good. It's got a bit of a dark horse. Surprising. Yeah. Wayfarers yeah. of the South Tigris, because there's always a Garpill game on this list. So, mm. yep. Uh, and then Woodcraft. Sure. So, it's... I. We talked about this when we did our awards. It wasn't the best year for uh, strategy no. games all around. Like, we, we struggled to find, like, some really solid stuff. Um, I think for me, Carnegie was probably the most interesting, but... I don't know. I know a lot of people like Endless Winter. I've heard a lot of good things about Planet Unknown, so mm. we'll see. I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Woodcraft, but
1: a couple of years ago, I, I had a conversation with Tom, one of the very, and I and I, I said to him like, "Best strategy game is kind of confusing because this year it seems to be more or less kind of okay, but there are tactical games and then there are strategy games, right? If you if you get my drift here, like there are games where like you have to plan." As you play, because, you know, actions you take now are going to affect you later versus like uh, I'm doing a thing because it's a thing and then I'll do another thing because it's available or it's a thing like so these it's like, again, there some games here seem a little more strategic long term than just, you know, I'm going to do a thing, but I don't know not not a banner year for the for the heavy games at least and there's and there's other heavy games too i'm surprised that they're they're not on here necessarily but we'll leave that for another time
0: yeah no there there's a lot of stuff that could be on this list um yeah. toletum it's just yeah. they they didn't get the nominations that's how this works right like the right. people in the, those groups need to be have played them and that did not happen
1: yeah and i think the i think the dice tower group generally is medium light not not on the heavy side as far as games they play
0: yeah yeah we, we talk about this every year like the lacerda games sometimes make the list sometimes they don't so yeah
1: they usually get beat up
0: yeah <laughs> um so uh most innovative game is the last one before we get to game of the year uh so we've got three thousand scoundrels this was the new Corey kaneska game uh blood on the clock tower naturally uh cat in the box deluxe edition planet unknown and then Turing machine which Turing machine is amazing and just very clever but it almost falls into that experience bucket It doesn't really feel like a game
1: yeah this is an interesting category and I, and I always like to see it because it is the innovative stuff that just brings us back uh, and again cat in the box is pretty interesting that's 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 yeah. a different kind of different take on a you know genre of games that have like I don't know. Just seen every version of it and somehow they did something a little different. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Spoiler. That's, I mean, that's probably what I'm voting for in this category. Oh,
1: spoiler. I don't know. Spoilers. I, I might take a look at 3,000 Scoundrels. Um, I'm looking at that.
0: Yeah. And that, it looks really interesting. I honestly haven't had a chance to play it, but um, if I do, because it's, it's on the list before we vote. Um, gotcha. All right. Game of the year. This is a oh. hodgepodgey list, but we'll run through it. <laughs> We've got Blood on the Clock Tower, Endless Winter, oh, wow. Fl- Flamecraft, Foundations of Rome, Heat Petal to the Metal, Planet Unknown, Ready, Set, Bet, Return to Dark Tower, Wayfarers of the South Tigris, and Wonderland's
1: War. Okay. So basically every game that we previously talked about.
0: Yep. Nothing in there we haven't already mentioned. <laughs> so, And there's a bunch of games that I wish were here, right? We don't have... The Guild of Merchant Explorers? Ah, oh, so good. Like Rimosa, Teletum, War of yeah. the Ring the Card game. So that's,
1: that's that that yeah, there's yeah. No, it's it's, it's surprising. Really
0: surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some games that I you know, like Sky Mines I know didn't get a lot of love from anybody, but it's a very good game. I wish it made it is. some some dent on this list. But I I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if Blood on the Clock Tower runs the table or Return to Dark Tower runs the table. Heat, pedal to the metal, like all three of those games have a lot of nominations. Um I have it's no idea what I'm gonna vote that... for in this category. Like of these ten games, I have I don't I don't know that I'm like super hot on any of them, except maybe Heat. So uh it'll be interesting to see.
1: That was my that was my weird takeaway here that why wasn't Heat for Game of the Year?
0: Heat is up for game of the year.
1: Well, I'm I'm saying like game of the year here, but then like we're missing it other in a, a lot of other categories. Like, oh, yeah, 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 Like, right. Like, it should have been if it's for game of the year, then it should have kind of like ran the gambit, kind of like Dark Tower somehow did or some of the other ones. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's true. It only has a couple of, as like solo and then was it theming? It's solo game. <laughs> it's not yeah, a solo no. game. <laughs> you're gonna get all the solo people are gonna come down on you man they're like no solo games can be anything
1: i think solo people are on my side because like again if you're a designer and you you put together your genius and you produce a game that is like an amazing solo game like again you deserve that kind of recognition because honestly any game could be a solo game like if you play hard enough <laughs> Just <Yeah. laughs> you play multi hands. It's a solo game. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've done that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, so I've done that too. Like, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I I played Spirit Island a bunch of times solo. Like that's a main game I play solo, but I don't think of it as a solo game. Yep, oh, there's yeah, that's, our time.
0: That's, yeah. Now that's funny though. Like I would definitely put that in the bucket as a solo game, but. We have different definitions. It, it
1: could be played. It could be played solo, but it's not a solo game. Disagree. Okay. All right.
0: Well, we'll save that <laughs> to
1: next time, as we go through the list and try to decide what is a solo game. I don't know. Maybe that'll be an episode. Maybe that'll be the new thing. We'll see. I don't know. We'll try to figure that all that out next time.
0: Yeah. yeah we'll, but until we'll, next time, <laughs> definitive answers coming.
1: But until next time when we decide what a solo game really is this is Chris
0: and this is Anthony
1: and we'll save all of you a seat at the table because again it's more than one player it's not a solo game.